Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. All right, guys, I'm Amy Twiggs. I have to tell you about the interview we are doing today. It is a special extra treat. I say I'm excited every week, but this one is extra special for me. Um, I have Lisa Spini with us. And it's, you're going to find out in a few minutes why I say this woman is amazing. But she was not only my coach growing up as a young gymnast through my competitive years and onto my national elite team years back in the 80s and 90s, but she continues today to inspire hundreds and thousands. I, I can't even imagine how many people you've inspired through the years. She says she's coached for 45 years. Is that right? Started when I was 16. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had to tell everybody a few of your accolades because it just gets like crazy. I wouldn't go through all of them except for you just have to hear some of these things because she continues today. She's a coach for Michaela Skinner, um, an Olympic team member, and she's just uh, recently been inducted into the Arizona Hall of Fame, right? Arizona Gymnastics. Hall yeah, gymnastics. Well, we should just say it's everything because you're just everything. But she has so many things that I really, the thing that's beautiful about Lisa is, is that it's, she has so many different perspectives from the coach, from the athletes, from the parents. She's been able to reach and talk to and work with so many because she's been an international, um, I would say icon and a national, a national team for between national and international. She's been able to be on the boards of so many things. And let me just read you a couple of these things that I actually, Lisa was not aware of. And I just sat there going, of course, of course. Of course she did that. So I looked through and she has just been on so many different boards on so many national champion levels. Um, she was a dancer. That's the thing that I love the most is she used to have us write vocabulary words down and we had to be able to spell dance. <laughs> you remember that? Oh my gosh. We had spelling quizzes on Friday. Spelling words. Oh my gosh. It was so Undo, cute. plie, develop it. And I had to be able to spell them. And I met Megan, I still, some of the teammates and I still talk about it, but she's been a judge, a national judge. She owns Desert Lights. So she was a coach at um, Arizona Twisters. That's where I grew up, but she's been coach of the year, judge of the year, choreographer of the year. Um, Elite Coach of the Year, right? Coach Staff of the Year from all these different years, you guys. It's amazing. World Champion Coach. Um, what else? Olympic Games Alternate Coach. It's just the list goes on. USA World Champions, Glasgow World Cup Coach. It's amazing. And there's so much. And I'm sure that even just those few things that I just said doesn't even like get the top of everything that she's doing, a little tip of it. But one of the things that you said, Lisa, before I just hand it over to you, she says that a lot of her success was about just figuring out what worked and what didn't work. And, um, and for her, it's about surviving the elite system, which we'll talk about just a little bit, what, what didn't, didn't work for that. Because I think that myself and a couple others, I'll just call them Nat and Meg, you might hear us say those names because Natalie Brookman now is Natalie Emig and Megan Tabla, who was Megan Wright. The three of us all were at Arizona Twisters with Coach Lisa. And so um, anyway, she said, it's kind of like being a parent. And I love this. You don't necessarily start out knowing what to do, but you love it, so you figure it out. And Lisa, with that, there's so many stories that I just wanna hear, as I'm sure all the listeners <laughs> are gonna to wanna to hear at this point. And one of the greatest gifts that we can all give to each other during any time, really, is to realize that you didn't go from a new coach who was a dance background, like amazing dancer background, to an Olympic coach overnight. Like you said, it was a process. So I wanna hear about some of your learning steps, some of your learning like the curveballs that came your way, some of the ups and downs, and how your younger years of coaching has transformed how you coach today 
how you judge today, how you take care of the, for me, the mental aspect of your higher level athletes today. And with the elite system being different, you couldn't probably be an elite coach of three elites at this time with the way it is, but how it changed you in and out of the gym. So that's kind of where, there's a lot there, so much. Where do we want to start, Lisa? Well, first I just want to say, I'm not a coach who wants to say I'm holier than thou. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk about abusive coaching right now. And I feel like as a coach, it's kind of, it is like being a parent. We all made mistakes, we, things where you went back and you go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or I should have done it differently. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know, I guess you and Megan and Natalie, who we were talking about, you guys were my, you, I learned on you. We learned together. You learned to be an elite and I learned to coach an elite. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, so that was, a, that was huge for me. And I think, I mean, I have to give you guys kudos because I had three amazing athletes and people to learn on. Well, I'm going to pause for a second. Here's the unfortunate thing. We were trying to get Nate and Natalie and Megan on this podcast. Natalie is an assistant coach for BYU. So unfortunately, because of the recruiting rules, she has to be careful. But if, if ever we can get the four of us, you guys will hear story after story. With, with <laughs> Megan, I talk about you all the time, Lisa. You're still an inspiration for us. But as far as um, like for parenting, we mess up as parents. But we sure. all have so many good moments, right? Right. So Absolutely. So keep going. Yeah, just so I, I did learn on you. I learned in every way. I learned the three of you, you were all good friends, but you were so completely different. And I learned that what worked with one of you didn't work with the other. I had to complete, you know, I had to treat you as completely different people because you were. I can remember bribing Megan to do skills with gummy bears and but that wouldn't have worked with you. You know, you were completely different than them. I I can remember bringing John, my husband in to learn how to spot stuff because it was just me and you guys. And I had to give you warm up spots at meets. And, you know, that was an incredible time for me. And I really learned a lot then. I also feel though that my, I have an education background. I have a teaching degree and I taught school. When I worked at Twisters, I would teach school during the day and then I would come in and coach. And, and even though, teaching school isn't exactly the same as gymnastics. A lot of the things I learned about teaching, I think did help me along the line to be a better coach. Well, and I remember when you were just learning how to spot, I remember thinking, is she going to catch me? She's like, <laughs> like perfect, like Barbie doll, perfect blonde, like skinny thing. Is she going to, cause his you know, <laughs> husband, John is this big, strong, huge Italian who, you know, he will, he'll have you, he'll say, I remember he had us. He said, do a standing back, a standing double back. And I'll catch you. So he would throw us in the air and we do a double back just from a stand, double two flips in the air. I'm just, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking, all you non gymnasts out there, and he would catch us. So we had a hundred percent faith that he was gonna grab us. And then Lisa comes along and she's now ready to start learning how to spot double backs. So and we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, he would stand on the other side on and and we would spot together. And then finally I remember I, I learned. You totally and, did. And we loved you guys it. were really small at the time too. So so that helped. <laughs> right. You were just you were still so young that it was I mean it was, it was the perfect lear- learning experience. I could spot you guys on things on the low bar. You were young. You were young gymnasts. I was a young coach. It was Oh. When you say it was a learning process, I think about bars, how you had us do 
I mean, you were so strong. The fact that you had us do so many things. I try to do some of the drills with kids these days. I'm all, man, my arms are tired. How did yeah. this over and over and over? But you did it. You did it with all of us. And you were the one that kind of ran the gym. And Ro, the owner of the gym, would come in and spr sprinkle fairy dust all over and pixie dust. So we all were happy. And Lisa did the heavy lifting. So it was amazing <laughs> how it worked. We really, Megan and, and Natalie and I, we talk about what a miracle was, how it worked out. Because it, like you said, we were all just learning as we went. And a lot of times we just assumed you knew how to do everything. And that we, I, until you started like throwing double backs, I'm like, please toss me on this one. <laughs> so, okay. So tell us how you went from there and how it's changed. Let's go with the elite system first. Tell us how things have changed. Can you have three elites these days and feel like you can manage it? What's it like? Well, I think some clubs do. Um, that's, I mean, I'm not into elite for elite. Right. You know, if I, if I have an athlete, I, if I have an athlete and I feel like she could have that potential, then I want to be able to offer that to her. Mm -hmm. But I'm not all about elite. I, I love the JO system and the level 10 and well, it's not. that for a second we just lost you for a second there let's see if we pop back on hopefully i'm gonna oh there we go we, we lost okay. it for a second there so you're not all about the jo system or the you just i'm not i, I want to do what's best for each individual kid i think that's how it was growing up all the years is you just wanted us to be happy and we loved what we did right right but i mean if if a kid wants to try the lead and then I'll try to do that with them. Mm. But J.O. Level 10 is great and going to the NCAA, that's great. It is such a good road and, and it was a great path for all of us and we got to compete against each other in college. It was sure. All of it was a beautiful system for us. And it's one of my favorite things to do right now is follow all my gymnasts in college. You know, when during the college system, I go online, I try to watch them and just it's, I love it. <laughs> So tell me how things have changed as, just for, as far as just being a high level gymnast from when we were, when I was a gymnast compared to what it's like now. What is the, the, the demand, the mental demand, the physical demand, how has that changed for your athletes? Well, I think, I think we, de we definitely really moved to, to like the uh, Russian, Romanian type system, you know, with the Carolis and um, that was different. It was different than how you, I brought you guys up. It was really different for me to start that. Um, when I went, I went at first, probably in the late nineties, I had a group of kids that were invited to a camp at Crowley's and, um, one of them was Rhonda's daughter, you know, or Rhonda Christie's daughter. She was one of them. It was like five of them. So five of my gymnasts and I go there and I was like looking around and going, I, this isn't, this what isn't for me. What was different about it? The whole atmosphere was different. And, and even at that time, the ranch mm -hmm. didn't have their new facility. The, the equipment was bad. The food was bad. Everything was kind of, and, and just the whole atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember looking around and going, do these people really think that it's okay for these kids to be yelled at like this? And I just didn't go back. I didn't take my kids back. Really? You know, they, I didn't go back for a while. Um, I waited and... You know, I talked to Ro about it and I said, you know, I just don't feel like that's for me. And I, and, and that particular group of kids all ended up doing NCAA and doing really great at it. And so I felt like that was a better choice at that time, you know, 
and Roe finally started saying, I, I had a group of little ones that I was working with, which Michaela was one of them mm -hmm. in this group. And Roe said, you know, I told everybody. So, um, oh, maybe I did. Michaela Skinner is one of the athletes still. Are you still working with her? Is she still considering moving forward? She is. She's been training this whole time. She, uh, she actually got married in November, last November, after we, we got back from Worlds, mm -hmm. she, from World Championships, and she got married. And her husband is very supportive. He wants her, it's her dream. He wants her to continue. And I feel like right now it's a good decision for her either way, you know, to, you know, know, let finish this. And so we have, we trained, our gym was closed, but I took Michaela in and trained her through COVID because the Olympics hadn't been canceled yet. We didn't know what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. She's still training and she's doing great. You can go on our like Facebook page and she has a YouTube now. Her and her husband do a YouTube for her, and it's pretty funny. Okay. Like she teaches him gymnastics, and it, it's hilarious. <laughs> she was part of the first young group, or you considered with Roe to maybe go forward with. Yes. So Roe said it's changed. It's better. They had a new a new facility built. The equipment was better, and so then I I kind of started going back. And in some ways it was a lot better, but in others it still wasn't. Yeah. Um, and that's another story. That's for another whole. Yes. Podcast, yes. But um, so many places to go with this. But I kind of learned how to deal with it. Maybe kind of to take take it myself and shield my athlete. You are very protective of your your athletes. I've noticed, like you, they are yours. You're not just going to pawn them off to anybody else to do it. You know, to train them in different areas. Well, I, I, we, I have a huge coaching staff now that is great. So I don't want to make it seem like I do everything because I certainly don't. I have um, Bob Peterson, who I think you remember, he owned a gym. Mm -hmm. He works for me now. And, and we've been friends for years. And, you know, Bruce McGee, another friend who was an assistant coach at ASU for, with John for years. And, um, but you've been I mean, very, very intentional on what's going to happen in your new gym. Yes, you like very intentional about, I make a plan for that athlete and then the coaches talk about it and this is what I want them to do on bars. And, but I don't do it all anymore. Like I used to, I have too many kids to do it all with and oh, I'm don't. too old. No, you're not. <laughs> I can't go out and spot that full in on floor anymore. So. Oh, I'm sure you could, but you don't have to anymore. You have plenty of great people. Well, and the other thing I wondered when you say you make a plan for each kid, when you have a kid just going with, with what I focus on, the mental emotional health, are there things that you found have increased with the, with the way life is, not just with COVID, but just in general, as far as the stress and the anxiety and the pressure and the expectations within the last 10 years where it just seems like instead of just having fun in the gym, they're so focused on getting, I don't know specifically about your gym. I haven't been in your new gym, except for when it was brand new, I came in the summers, but Otherwise, what is the, out, even outside of your gym, what do you see as a judge when you're over at the national and international meets? How do you see the competition with the, with the stress and pressure for the athletes? Because a lot of them are homeschooled, right? When they're up at a higher level now. Um, my, I know a lot are homeschooled. Mine have really not been homeschooled all that much. Michaela was for a while, but Mm -hmm. um, even then when she went to high school, she went to a regular school. We found a school who would work with her and let her get out early, let her miss stays for national team camps. And, wow. um, and I think that that's important. I've never really liked my athletes to be homeschooled. Right. I'd, I'd like to find a way where they could, you know, be with other kids and do that kind of thing. I, to me, school and church have always been important. Mm -hmm. So I want them to have time for those things. Like we've never worked out on Sundays 
Um, um, most gyms do, I think, but I think that's family time. Yeah. So Love um, I haven't done it, but most gyms do. Right. We've been able to f find schools that would work for us. And now we have, we actually have a, a school, a district school that's free called the Elite Performance Academy. And it drops the kids off at the gym at like one o'clock so they can do their workout and get home a little earlier. They start earlier, they get done, they can have dinner with their family. Oh, that's I, think, I think that stuff is so important for mental health, if you wanna talk about mental health. Exactly, I was gonna say, you athletic directors, did you hear that? You uh, gym owners, you school districts, did you hear what she just said? If we can work with the system and with high level, because kids right. want to succeed in sports, but there's a lot of the fear of the parents, like, are we taking away their whole childhood from making them be Absolutely. an athlete? That's one of the fears I hear of parents of, we're not going to make this into a family event because we want them to learn how to be a person too. And there's that dynamic of who is the person outside of the sport if everything revolves around the sport where they don't get dinner, where they don't get school, where they don't get interaction outside of the gym. There are, when you say right. mental health, that sounds like a beautiful setup with the school working with you guys. Yes. It is. And, and, and I think people can find schools, maybe go to an individual principal and make your case. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's important to do instead of just trying to make them all homeschool. Right. Oh, I love it. That's such a, like you said, mental health, being, being able to um, learn about joy outside of just the sport. That's one of the things. Yes. Learned Otherwise, about. when they're done with the sport, they don't know what to do with themselves. So what have you found? Have you found anybody having a hard time adjusting the life outside of gymnastics have you met up with any of your old gymnasts who really have a hard time just being a person outside of gymnastics you know i do have oh hold on a sec she's gonna come back lisa i lost you for a second hope you come back yeah <laughs> oh i lost you for a second there we go. okay there we go so you do yeah, I think uh, it seems like most of the ones I see have of mine have adapted really well. Mm -hmm. Like they they have a, a job or or a family and they seem pretty happy for the most part. So I that makes me excited and, and I always love it when they bring their kids back because then I feel like I might have made mistakes, but I must have Oh, we want to keep this going. She's so amazing. We'll see if we can keep this oh we keep getting a little glitchy you said you might have made okay i love that you relate this to parenting you said you might have made mistakes but at least what go ahead if they're willing to bring their child back to me i must have done something right <laughs> i love that addition that's so true right but isn't that how we feel as parents if they're willing exactly. to bring their, their child back for visits yeah. they're gonna give you your grandchild to babysit you know you must have done something right <laughs> well the other thing is i think sometimes i love when you kind of just briefly um, swept over the idea of all the situations in gymnastics world in general right now with the abuse things. Um, I think sometimes we we have a lot of fingers pointed to the coaches, and I'm not going to really focus on this at all. But I also think it's it's all a process there too. There's definitely things that were right and wrong, and then there's definitely things where we are all learning how to become the best version of us. And I think that um, with the parents, uh, not specifically even in that situation, but with parents, they're learning how to show up for their child as a supportive parent, and they're learning how to communicate with the coaches, and everything is just, we'd uh, briefly talked, and I said, hold on, let's talk about this during the podcast. The dynamics between parents, coaches, and, and athletes, it is a very um, strong 
piece of the puzzle. It's not just the athlete. It's not just the yes. coach, the parents, the family. This is, it becomes a family. Every vacation is revolved around the next, you know, gymnastic competition or any sport, but it's a, it's a community thing. It's not just a coach and athlete. That's how I feel. What, what have you found? That's exactly how I feel. The parents need to be involved and they can help so much or they can hurt so much, you know? So I feel like they've got to be involved. And to me, if, if you're at a gym and the coach won't meet with you ever about your child or you're never allowed to come in and watch them, mm -hmm. that's, that's a sign. You, it's a sign to me that you need to change him. And I don't mean, you know, my kids work out for four hours, you know, some, sometimes five at a time, you know, the level tens and elites. Yeah. So I don't mean their parent needs to sit there for four or five hours. I don't want them doing that, but I do want them to feel free to yeah. come in and watch their kids sometimes, you know, I, I don't want them to think the only place they can ever see them at is at a meet. And I, I want them to work with me. I feel like they need to work with me. Mm -hmm. um, you ever and find with some coaches that uh, uh, when the coach, I feel like sometimes coaches kind of act in ways that maybe they no normally wouldn't if they feel that there's a lot of, I don't like to say pressure, anybody can make anybody else feel pressure. I don't, I don't believe in that personally. But if they hear these thoughts from parents saying that you're not doing a good enough job, that you're not doing it right, why aren't you getting my kid to the right level? Why are you? And then they get to the right level and then they're injured. Why did she get injured? You pushed her too hard. Do you feel like a coach sometimes acts a little bit irrational to try to appease the parents' uh, desires too? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's a big thing. I mean, that's some of the things that are being coaches are being called out for abuse, like competing an injured athlete, training an injured athlete. I mean, I've got to say, I have had, I've had parents over the years try to force me to compete their injured child. I'll just take her somewhere else. But then I think as a coach, you've got to, you've got to try to reason with them. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to be willing to say, all right, take her somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to compete her. She's hurt. She has I, think to it changes. I think it changes you as a coach. If you're willing to, um, to go along with some of the things that you hear as a coach. I know I was a coach for a while. And I own a gym, but it, at that, at those points, when you hear that, you think we're not about the skill, we're about the athlete. And if right. it's about the skill, we're going to lose something altogether in all of the relationships. Right. 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 Well, I, gymnastics is a, is an extreme sport. It is. It's a very extreme sport. It attracts very extreme and passionate people with passion comes a lot of emotion mm. and sometimes emotion gets the best of you and at all levels, coaches, the coaches are passionate, the parents are passionate, and the athletes are passionate. Yeah. So I think it becomes a juggling act. You've got to learn to control your emotions and block it out and look at what's best, what's best for this athlete. Yes. I think that's really what everyone wants in the long run, but sometimes they get confused about what is best for the athlete. <laughs> and training when they're injured or not emotionally prepared is not best for them. Yes. I love that you said that. And I think that you also said that you make a plan for each individual because you said every athlete is separate. They're very different. They all um, motivate, they get motivated by different things and they get stressed out by different things. And, you know, they, they feel uh, anxiety from different things. And so there's just a lot of different pieces. And as far as you go as, as a coach and as a judge and as a mother and a grandmother in all these different roles, you can feel the uh, desire of the parents. You know what it feels like to be a parent of a child. You have your own child, which we all just adore. 
and she's amazing and grandchild. And for you to be able to say, I know what she wants. I know what I want. Maybe they're not the same thing. But the more we try to push our desires on our kids and the more we try to tell the coach what we think is as a parent, I'm saying right now, um, there's, there's just a role for everybody to be learning emotional and mental management tools so that we can all make sure that we are from a clean space saying that, hey, I want what's best here too. And when you have a pre-plan, like you said, you plan for each one. When you have a plan and you stick to the plan, it seems like that would be a really easy way to get rid of a lot of the drama. Does that work? It, I mean, it certainly helps. I don't know if you can ever get rid of all of the drama in gymnastics, but um, you have to minimize it <laughs> or it's going to get the best of the situation. You know, it's, so making that individual plan like this, and I, and I like to actually call the kid up some, some days I have a planning practice. I give them an assignment, nothing they're going to get hurt doing and they do it. And I call each child over and I say, okay, these are the skills I see for you. This is what I see for you. Yeah. What do you see? Can you see yourself doing this this season? This is my, you know, and sometimes they'll go, you think <laughs> I can do that? You know, sometimes they need to hear you say that you think they can do it. That you have and then they're like, well, maybe I can, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. But sometimes I'll say, I, I can't do that. I can't. And they're, they're so, I can see that they're so overwhelmed by the thought of it. Mm -hmm. that even though I know they could physically do it, I know I've got to back off a little bit. So, so yeah. what do you do? That's a really great example. What do you do, Lisa, when somebody, when you see an athlete who you know is capable and the parents know they're capable, parents are always like, oh, they got so much more in them, right? right. But what do you do for an athlete, even in the moment of a competition where they have this like overwhelming fear, this overwhelming, like this is a lot of expectation for an athlete and they're just, you can see it in their, I, I can see it. You can see when you're a judge and I'm not a level judge that you're at at all. But when you see a child get up on the beam and you're like, they are just not knowing what's going on and you can see and feel the fear that they feel and you want to just say something, what do you do for your athletes when you feel I'm getting a little bit um, overly nervous or afraid? Well, again, I, th I feel like it varies on the athlete. I mean, and you kind of have to learn your kids. I mean, some of them need to be pushed at that moment. You go, come on, come on, you can do this. Some of them I need to say something like, you know what? Whatever happens here, it's okay. Nice. Your mom loves you, your dad loves you. <laughs> Get up there and do your best. Whatever happens here, it's all okay. But some of them need to be like, go, you got this, you know? I can remember, I'm just going to talk about you a minute here. I'm going to talk about you. I can you. remember being, and I think, I want to say it was at like Westerns or some kind of national meet, and you were terrified to get up on this beam. And I literally had to pull the board out from under you to get you to mount this beam. And then you got up and you did this great beam routine. I mean, I don't know if you won, but you meddled up really high. I'm, I, I still remember that about you. I'm like, come on, come on, Amy, get up. You, got, you can do this. You got this. I literally had to yank the board out from under your feet. And then you got up and did this great big routine. So it depends on the kid. It does. It does. And, and I love that you remember that. I remember in gym so many times when we were learning new skills, you didn't have to say anything, Lisa. You could have been at gym and not said one word the whole time. And Megan and Natalie and I, would be, we would be sitting there deciding what you're probably thinking. So we'd always be deciding <laughs> what's going on in your head and that we're not doing it like well enough. We're not showing up hard enough. We better go hard. You never had to say anything. You just had to do your thing and you'd stand there and spot us and you'd you know, wait for us to go next. And we were always fighting for the bar. I felt like we were trying to beat each other up onto the bar because we wanted whoever was waiting if you were waiting, somebody would jump up in front of you. So you had to be ready. 
but I, a lot of times you would not say a lot of words, but we would just look over. And I remember talking to Meg about this often. We would look over and we'd see you look our way and we'd be like, oh, I got to step up my game. I got <laughs> to get working harder. And I loved it. It was just a reflection of our own um, desires of just looking at you and thinking that we have no idea what you thought, but it didn't matter because we knew what we wanted. We knew we wanted to be able to step up our game. We wanted to be able to, in our mind, make you proud of us, but it's essentially it's making us proud of us. We wanted to be proud of ourselves. Right. And it doesn't take very many words for somebody to be motivated when they want to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I think if we all realize that we all want the same thing, parents, coaches, and gymnasts, we all want the same thing. We want that gymnast to achieve their max of their capability in a healthy way. That's what everybody should want. And I think it's really what everybody does. And so you always have to keep going back to that model is what we're doing right now with her healthy. Um, if it's not healthy, we need to change it up. And when I say healthy, I mean physically healthy, not over pounding, but I also mean mentally healthy. You know, if you're putting so much mental stress on someone, they can't function, then you got to take it back a step. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel that in your gym, that it's very much a very positive gym when I've gone in there and it's, and the kids are just going, you have a great setup going in there. I really love it. Um, let's just see if there's anything that you can maybe leave with everybody, something that would just, as far as parents, coaches, athletes, athletic directors of schools who are trying to manage kids who are sad that they might not be competing this year. You have a lot of kids who got their seasons cut short. Is there right. anything else that you think that might be able to um, help anybody these days just to feel maybe a little more empowered. Um, one of the other things I see is a lot of kids are letting go of their daily workout at home. So they're putting on a little, they're getting softer, they're putting on a little more weight. And when they do go back, I'm, I always think, hey, we've got to stay on top of it because you are going to go back, but we don't want right. to go back with the potential of more injuries because we're not taking care of ourselves today because we don't think it's worth it. So how are you managing the kids who didn't get the end of the season. What's going on? Do you have some tips that you can leave for people to, as far as any of the roles that can help keep us motivated to, to keep moving forward and be heroes instead of victims to the situations? Well, I think, I think as coaches, we have to realize part of what's going on now, like I know in Arizona, all of our kids are in online school. Mm -hmm. Not very few people have officially started school. So mm -hmm. the gym is their socialization right now. It's what it's all my kids have for socialization. And, and so we have to recognize that and allow a little bit of it instead of boom, boom, boom. It's gotta be, okay, talk for this long, <laughs> get this long chat. But now we start, now we start, now we work. Mm -hmm. And once we start, you know, I'll, I'll give you a few minutes at the end and you can chat again and you can hang with your friend, but, but now we work. So I think that's an important part of it. And the other thing to me is communication is huge. There's between coaches, parents, gymnasts and coaches, gymnasts and parents. You know, it's like I tell my gymnasts, you can tell your parent anything that happens here. Anything that I say to you, you can go home and tell your parent. I don't want you to think, if I yell to you, if I, told the, if I told you you weren't working hard enough that day, you can go home and tell them I said that. You know, I, I, wanna, I want parents to feel like they can communicate with me, not like the coaches are the scary thing. I can't talk to them. I want them, if they're hurt, mm -hmm. sometimes I still have to look at a kid and the kid's limping and I, are you hurt? 
Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's stop tumbling today, you know, and let's take a day and see how it feels tomorrow. Maybe you need a doctor's appointment. Maybe we just need to take a couple of days off. I think there's not enough communication between the, the triage, the parent, the coach, and the athlete. And without it, it's just not going to work. I love it. And I love that it's coming from somebody who is at such a high level, the Olympic level coaching with an, you know, an Olympic team member, somebody who has been judge of the year, coach of the year, choreographer, everything of the year you can imagine, Lisa has been. And Lisa tells us, you guys, the suggestions. Did you hear what she said? Make sure you give your kids a little time to connect. This, especially these days, they need a little time to connect with people. That's yeah, they don't have anything else. They don't. And then make sure you have a little bit of time to communicate with the parents and that you are open. You're going to make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes because they're human, just like parents. Absolutely. Like athletes. I remember being told by one of the coaches, Randy Scott, he's like, you're being a prima donna. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but stop talking to me. <laughs> so I, I obviously, the athletes are going through their things too. We're all trying to figure it out, but nobody is supposed to know how to do it. And I love that you said you just figure it out as you go. You went from a dancer, great, amazing dancer, to giving us vocabulary tests in French that we had no idea what we were doing, except for Natalie, she did. And then, and then you became this person who is fill it in the blank of the year in every category you could possibly imagine in the gymnastics world. And yet you're a mom, you're a grandmother, you are somebody who just wants to see the next individual feel happy and healthy as an athlete and get them onto their goals and their dreams and see what happens from there. And it's funny when I said, do you see people disconnecting from the sport well after? Your first three elites, Natalie, Meg, and I, we're more involved in the sport than ever. Yeah, I love that. Love I have that. a lot of athletes that are so involved and I love that. So that, and it, I mean, it not only makes me feel good to see them happy, but it, again, it makes me feel like, all right, I might've screwed up along the way, but I did something right. <laughs> well, I love it. We're supposed to learn. I, if, if it, I can't imagine anybody who's done it right. If anybody did it right, I want to hear that person. I can't. <laughs> Lisa, there's so many things I would love to go through with this on uh, with you, but it's uh, about time. I don't want to make everybody start falling asleep because I just talk and talk. But I love everything you said, and I'm going to have you on here again. And we might need to. I told Lisa we're going to have to get John on here for those who know John. We're going to pull him on here for these days because he's just the. It's just the perfect balance between Lisa and John. He's one of my favorite people, along with Lisa and Roe, and just the memories because they set up a gym that wasn't about becoming an Olympian. It was about the individual. And I sure appreciate that as an athlete and as a mother and as a, a coach and a judge. I had an example from an incredible woman. So Lisa, thank you so much for everything you're doing. And thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks, Amy, for having me on. Can you just tell us one more time? You're the owner. Tell everybody if they wanted to, if they have an athlete, a gymnast, and they really want to kind of check you out, where would they go? Uh, Desert Lights Gymnastics, Chandler, Arizona. The amazing gym, you guys. She's amazing. <laughs> She has an amazing atmosphere there. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, you guys have a flipping awesome day. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.